Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. And yes, it is time to talk cards. I've been putting Boa off for months or at least weeks around this. Uh, and finally, finally, we'll let him talk cards. Let's change the branding there. There we go. Got the right, right little logo in the corner. That's all important. So welcome to the morning. Not to morning. <laughs> welcome to um, the uh, Driving Mall Show. And uh, as you can already tell, Boa is joining us to talk cards, cards and more cards. Um, how are you doing, sir? Very well. Thank you. Very well. As as always, my highlight of the week. And I'm, I'm super excited, super excited today. I get to unleash the barrage. Yeah. Be holding coming on. Off, coming chair. off a long run up. Um, <laughs> this, this, see, this, this is like one of those uh, in the um, uh, in NRL where they, they, they where, where it's kicked and the, the poor the poor guy catching at the back suddenly sees this line of guys running towards him. They've had they've had a good 20, 30 meters of running to get up to speed uh. and they're going to smash him. <laughs> this is what. <laughs> yeah, Boa is that um, Boa is that defensive line charging in, and uh, thankfully I've got someone here. To, to help me and support me um, in uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? You're, you're here, to, here to look after me while, uh, while uh, keep, uh, in, in a little bit of check. Oh, I'm almost, I'm almost relieved I missed that first bit there. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds, like, sounds like boy, I had you under the pump there, Paul. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, great to be on the show. Uh, uh, guys, God, we're so close to Christmas, aren't we? It's, uh, it's crazy. What happened to this year? Yes, it has disappeared. Now... Simon says, good evening. How long is he going to talk? be, be talking about cards? <laughs> um, unfortunately, we can't get – unfortunately, Cornflake um, can't be with us straight away. Hopefully, he'll be here before the end of the show. Um, but uh, uh, his work um, – his well, basically works at um, uh, Minor 10. So, Minor 10, hey, if you'd like to support us, that'd be fantastic. Um, shout out there. Um, and uh, they've got late shopping hours. So, he, he hopefully, he'll be joining us. Um, so – before we talk about cards, we will talk about a couple of other things. We've had the Rugby World Cup draw overnight. Um, also, um, we have some further news around concussion as well. So I think those two topics um, we should uh, cover off on. 
Stephen, any other things we can talk about? You think to just to just delay Boa a little bit longer about talking about cards? Oh, I, 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 I suppose we're yeah, well, down this this end of the uh, end of the universe. There's not a lot happening in in terms of stuff on the on the actual paddock, so we can all only focus on what's happening uh, off the off the paddock at the minute. Even though there is some rugby going on in the uh, northern hemisphere at the minute, but uh, no, I think you've pretty much got the topics that are at hand on uh, yep. uh, front and centre. So, as Christopher Edward Bailey says, what do you think? What did you think of the World Cup draws? Let's just go through um, the uh, the World Cup draws. We have four pools: pool A, B, C, and D, as per usual. Um, New Zealand are the uh, are, are the first seed in Pool A. They're in Pool A last time in Japan, weren't they? Um, and uh, they have been paired up with the hosts, France, um, Italy, yet again for something like the seventh time. America's one, who you'd have to think would probably be the USA, and Africa one, which will be Namibia in Pool A. Pool B, we've got South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Asia Pac one, which will either be Tonga or or Samoa. And Europe too, which would be somebody like Romania or Spain um, at a guess. Um, Paul C of Wales, Australia, Fiji, <laughs> remind you of Group D from 19, 2019. Um, Europe one, which again is probably going to be Georgia. <laughs> they were there too the last time round. And the final qualifier winner. Um, so um, so then also, yes, also you've also got the, the final qualifier winner, which is probably going to be somebody like Canada or Uruguay, maybe Spain. Um, someone along those sort of lines. Um, if it is, uh, yeah, it could actually be yeah, Uruguay who who were in Pool D last time, but uh, we'll have to wait on that one. Um, then Pool D is England, Japan, Argentina, Oceania one, which would be Samoa or Tonga again, um, and Americas two, which would probably be Uruguay, but it might be Canada. I would suggest Uruguay are better than Canada currently. Aaron said, "Oh no, not the French in the pool." <laughs> Lol. Um, at least you got. France in the pool and not in the quarterfinals. That means you avoid them in the quarterfinals. So that's got to be um, got to be a good thing, um, hasn't it? Um, boys, uh, what are your thoughts on Pool A? New Zealand, France, Italy, America's one, Africa one. What are your thoughts there? Oh, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. It'll be another fantastic uh, opening game. Uh, France, we uh, the All Blacks. I think uh, I think it's a blessing in disguise for the All Blacks. To be quite frank, I think uh, they're just, uh, they know what to expect and they will prepare. They will prepare very, very well for this. And of course, so will France, I mean, being the host. Um, and also, you know, this early up, uh, announcing the draw, I think it's a wonderful thing. It just allows all the teams to prepare. Everyone knows what's what to expect. Um, although I have to say, you know, the curious probability of one, draw, one pool being identical with... Uh, We'll get, we'll, get, we'll get on to that. Yeah, we're just talking Paul A in New Zealand first, and um, so that's you. That's you. If, if you've moved on, you've moved on. Stephen, your thoughts on the, the All Blacks, uh, Les Bleus, um, and uh, the Azuri there? Yeah, well, I guess it's the perfect start for uh, for the locals, France. So I mean to say, um, there's going to be a lot of expectation for the French if you if you kind of look at them, their their rugby World Cup history. They've always sort of been there about thereabouts. You could arguably. Say they've they've choked when it's it's really mattered, in a lot of a lot of their games. In a lot of cases, they've actually been in, in knockout games and they've been cast by the uh, the wayside, so to speak. But uh, boy, they are building a good side as we as we saw in the uh, last test in the autumn internationals against England. It wasn't their 
strongest lineup by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, showing that they are building a lot of depth. And uh, and um, yeah, yeah, for New Zealand, it's, it's France. We we've got our own little history with with France as well as we as we very well know. But um, yeah, I mean to say, it's definitely not a pool of death by any stretch of the imagination. I think you you could always you could virtually, I think. Probably, if you look at all the pools, they're probably the most favoured to uh, to progress through. Yeah, this has got to be. Yeah, you've got to say this is probably the easiest pool to progress to, to pick who are going to, going to progress. It will be New Zealand and France. Um, the USA will be looking at Italy, thinking, "Boy, can we get another tier one scalp?" They have beaten um, Scotland relatively recently. Um, so, um, so yes. Uh, the big question is who will be the coach of the All Blacks? Yes, Aaron. We'll, 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 that's, we'll, we'll save that one for another day. Um, it, it does seem like a, a long long turn right here. It does seem like a long way away to the World Cup. It does, um, but yeah, the USA I think would be targeting Italy there. Remember, it's not just about those top two spaces. It's also about the third place because that gets you automatic qualification to the next Rugby World Cup. Um, so if the USA were to win that game, they would that would um, put them in a very that would obviously put them in a fantastic position. Um, but as you're right, you're right there. The most predictable of the um, of the pools: Pool B, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland. Um, plus, I say. Probably Samoa or Tonga, um, and then also somebody like Romania or Spain, um, probably in there. Um, another one, this one actually uh, is, is is going to be a tough one, isn't it? Um, obviously, you'd expect um, South Africa and Ireland to come out of this one, um, but Scotland um, are also improving, and you've got to say they would be in for a um, uh, in for a good uh, in for a good shout in this one. You look. Same- uh... Sorry, Stephen. Please continue. Um, I was going to say, um, I don't know. It's hard to know. You you just you just get the impression with 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 Ireland, they're on a little bit of a slide. Um, I mean to say, they've probably got a, they've got some guys that are starting to age a wee bit. Johnny 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 Sexton, um, who's their halfback? Uh, uh, Paul um, Connor Connor Murray. Connor Murray. You know, there's a there's a few guys in that team starting starting to age and. And, and, and you and you kind of wonder if they've actually found their their plateau from a, a couple of years from a, a season or two ago when they at their heights they they looked like a team that was going to be a very dangerous team at the 2019 Rugby World Cup and you know Scotland are, are showing some really really good improvements and uh, you know with South Africa they they'll go into this tournament as a as a, the current uh, world champions once again you spoke about coach, coaching before Will Russi Erasmus. Uh, be there, be be their particular coach. Um, who knows? And um, Asia Pacific. What does that mean? Does that mean that might be a, a Tonga or or a Samoa that comes out of out of that group as the fourth team? So before? essentially, it'll be Tonga or Samoa. Whoever loses the um, doesn't qualify out. Doesn't qualify automatically from Oceania. Playing off against probably Hong Kong. Hence, Tonga or Samoa should win it. And hence yeah. you'll you'll see that yeah another it's 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 to make sure that the three Pacific Island sides get in, to be honest. Yeah, you know it'd, it'd be great if they is in in some for some miracle that the residency rules are rules are changed and we saw a very competitive Pacific Island side. But yeah, I, personally, I I can't see it uh, with the way COVID is at the moment. I don't really know if we're gonna see Pacific Island teams featuring a, a heck of a lot or or given being given the opportunity to, to play more tier one nations and and improve before that World Cup rolls around. Interesting point by Chris Weber Bailey. Also remember that having a Pacific team in the group can really affect a team due to physicality. 
And we know that Ireland really came unstuck in the quarterfinal back in 2011 because basically they just ran out of players um, and uh, had, had key players injured, didn't have the depth. Um, so, yes, very true that, um, that yeah, that, that, that Samoa or Tonga one could have an impact as to who comes out of that. And when I say impacts, I do mean impacts. Um, Boa? Yeah, look, I have to say, uh, I looked at Pool B and I had a bit of a chuckle to myself. Looks like that pool is going to be stacked with South Africans looking at our island and our Scotland <laughs> are recruiting South Africans left, right and centre. And I, I agree with uh, Steve, uh, you know, Scotland uh, side who are uh, starting to show a few quirks. And of course, they've got one key player in Finn Russell. In my view, he's one of the best first fives uh, going around in Test Rugby at the moment. His form line is fantastic. Great read of the game. And of course, as I mentioned before, uh, there's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm anticipating to at least see 40 plus South Africans cut across three squads. <laughs> um, and they're, they're, going to have a, they're going to have a huge influence. Um, so it's, it's not quite cut and dry. And, and looking at what Ireland are doing and how they're playing, especially around some of their tactics, um, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of a, a, an alarm, um, a bit of a drift in form. However, you know, next World Cup's quite a while away. So there's, Plenty of time to uh, fix these little quirks. Um, but yeah, interesting group for me. I am tipping against the trend, South Africa and Scotland, to make it through. Yeah, um, Stephen makes a good point about the ageing aging side of Ireland. Um, there, uh, Paul C, Wales, who have had an appalling season, only beating Italy this year. Um, somehow, uh, but because the, pool, the, the um, seedings were taken from the beginning of the year, uh, managed to stay as a as a, as a first seed. Um, they pick up Australia and Fiji, exactly the same two sides they had in Pool D back in 2019. Europe one, as I say, will probably be Georgia, which means Georgia will join them again, uh, which makes it a, a just repetition of Pool D, um, and we'll see who that final qualifier is uh, in that in that end one. Um, the so yes, uh, again, that's uh, yeah. Can Fiji? Do the unthinkable and upset Wales uh, again? You got to say making that third place for Fiji is going to be their key thing. I would have thought, but um, Boa, your thoughts on this one? Oh, look, I'm I'm actually quite bullish about Fiji. I think uh, this long out, um, especially with the coaching staff they've assembled together, and I was having a very good chat with uh, Richie Gregg, their defensive and collision coach, uh, a few days back, and you know some of the stuff they're doing is very very encouraging. And if Fiji can uh, put a decent squad together and give them time to prepare, I'm actually quite uh, bullish about their chances of upsetting. I don't know whether they could be top of the pool, which is probably a very, very long shot. Obviously, the Wallabies are, you know, favoured to take that group. And, you know, I've seen a number of reports and some of the world media reacting that, you know, the Wallabies have been given an easy ride. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, but yeah, then again, Wales, you know, they're, they're in a bit of shambles. Um, when Bivak, who, who, you know, someone I know really well, I've got an amazing amount of respect for him. He's certainly under the pump. So it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic this far out. It's difficult to say, but, um, yeah, Wallabies look to be the, uh, the favorite to top the group, but it's, it's, it's going to be a, a bit of an interesting battle come Wales v Fiji. Goldstein. I was about to say um, the other issue for for Wales is uh, listen they've they've been privileged enough to have a record breaking skipper who's been around Welsh rugby for a, a very long time and Alan Wynne Jones but uh, 
listen, he turned 35 this year. So in, what is that? That's in three years' time. That makes him 38. So I, I doubt very much he will be at the next Rugby World Cup. I kind of look at Welsh Welsh rugby and I, I don't see a lot of depth, especially at, at lock coming through. Hence that when Jones has been in that position for a, for a very long time, you sort of look at somebody like Toby Falato. I can recall him being in the um, being at the uh, 2011 uh, rug, Rugby World Cup. So yeah, once again, they're also in, in they're at a, they're at a situation, Wayne Pivak, where he's he's really got to start building, trying some new guys. I saw I saw that he he did that in, in one of the games against England. But you know they they were to be honest, they looked they looked out past plenty of plenty of endeavour. So I think a, a lot is going to really depend. How their local rugby and goes and what comes out of their, out of their uh, their, their local rugby with uh, the the four or five professional top professional uh, um, rugby clubs in Wales. Yeah, Wales yeah, Wales, like, Wales really remind me of one of those Netflix docos from the, you know, get, getting some of that old old archive footage and trying to digitally remaster. That's what Wayne Pivak is trying to do. Of course, the other option he can look at is what Ireland and Scotland are doing. Look at South Africa. Yeah, starting Um, Look, I think one of the problems that Wales have got, and also Ireland um, with these ageing players, is that the uh, Lions, South Africa, is happening next year. And so players have a reason to stick around for a couple of years um, rather than move on straight away after every World Cup. And that happens to, um, obviously, uh, for the the Northern Hemisphere team, or for the European teams, or the home, home country, every rugby World Cup cycle, which is why... Some people suggest that maybe that impacts their ability to build over four years, whereas down here uh, in New Zealand, for example, it only happens every 12 years. So every third um, World Cup cycle, you kind of have some players who might stick around for a, for a Lions tour. Um, but uh, so South Africa, maybe that's why team uh, Southern Hemisphere countries that have the Lions tour don't progress so well. But we'll see. Um, the um, Wales come to New Zealand for, for players Granny Gate. Oh dearie me. Um, the uh, and yeah, as Nocturne writes, yeah, Northern Hemisphere teams tend to hang on to players longer than they do in, um, uh, say, in New Zealand. That's true, and I just explained why that might 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 happen. Pool D then: England, Japan, Argentina, Oceania one, which will be again Samoa or Fiji. Americas two, probably Uruguay, um, potentially Canada. Um, in that one, um, and uh, Simon says pool of pool D is a, is a pool of death. Now, to me, look. Apart from Pool A, where you've got definitely New Zealand and France coming out of it, um, I think South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Australia, Fiji, England, Japan, Argentina, uh, I think they're all pretty much of a muchness, to be honest with you. I don't see them with um, – I mean, they all have a kind of favourite who will come out, which is probably sort of South Africa, Australia, England. Um, but uh, but the other two are both in with a shout of coming out of it. So I, I'm um, – I, I don't really think I don't see a pool of death so much uh, this year uh, for, for 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 this lot. Uh, any comments on D or, or, or pool of death, Bo? Bo? Well, yeah. I mean, look uh, now, Japan. If you look at the last two World Cups, they, you know, first it was the Springboks, and then um, this time round it was uh, Ireland. Ireland, you know, so two two major tier one scalps upsets upsets. So is is England next in line? That's my question. Um, so you know that's that's something I guess uh, 
we could all look forward to. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it as a pool of death so much so. I think England, uh, you know, they've, they've got some very good plans laid out for next World Cup. So I'm, I'm actually expecting them to be right in and amongst the mix of going all the way. So um, England to top the group. Japan, for me, a likely second. Yeah, interesting. Joe Joseph came out today saying he needs, he wants a, a replacement for the Sunwolves and he needs, um, needs something between the top league uh, and uh, the international game. So we'll see if he gets that and maybe that might be something that, that sees Japan perhaps not progress as we'd expect without that without that Sunwolves team. Um, Stephen, final thoughts? Um, I suppose if there is a if there is a negative, guys, uh, the first Rugby World Cup was in was in uh, 1987 in New, in New Zealand, and if you kind of look at the, uh, admittedly, South Africa, obviously wasn't around, but I think the only real two changes I think I could can basically can basically look at is maybe uh, uh, Scotland replacing South Africa and maybe Fiji replacing Japan. So it just shows you how much change there has or hasn't been. At a, at a World Cup level, and that's that's the that's probably to me is a is is a disappointing feature that we're it's it's actually predictable, guys. We and to me that's that it's a, it's it's a it's a bit of a negative thing, and you, and you hope that somebody bucks the trend a little bit, a little bit like what Japan was able to do by making the quarterfinal at the last last World Cup. But you know, even for the even for the the underdog team to get through. To a to a quarterfinal is an amazing achievement, but boy, to get to get beyond them, have the depth and the ability to go one or two steps further, yeah, just like I say, it's a it's a little thing playing out in my mind. Yeah, interesting. Jordan Clark saying a lot of countries have missed out a full year of development towards the next Rugby World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, will it be interesting how much it hurts or or benefits them? We'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, there was also a question further up. Um, are these seeds, seedings, and pool party pool um, arrangements made too soon? Personally, no. Look, as 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 Stevens just pointed out, the uh, it doesn't really matter when you've taken these seedings um, within the past well well twenty odd years. They're pretty much the same. Sure, Japan and Argentina have have improved, but outside of that, uh, and perhaps some of the Fiji and Samoa perhaps slipped back slightly because I mean they did make um, quarterfinals in early rugby world cups. But yeah, so I, I don't. Yeah, whether it's done this year, next year, I don't think, or the year after, I don't think it makes much difference on that side of things. Paul, I, I think this is where where it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, it's like obviously World Rugby look see they're, they're viewing the same pictures we we must be seeing, and there must be something within that organisation or a question they must be asking is, man, how how can we make these so called second tier nations much more competitive and you know and, and it will only it would only take a couple of little tweaks in and around residency not much not even not even money guys we, we, a, look, we, we've seen we've seen the gap close over the um last uh, couple of rugby world cups they that the, the money they put into the tier two nations has helped to bridge that gap but mm. at the end of the day world rugby is not an organization world rugby uh, that makes some decisions. World Rugby is a place where the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship get to vote on how the rest of the world gets impacted. Um, and it, and basically, if you if you're going to have any, any meaningful thing to improve and uh, so to step up Tier Two Nations, uh, it's basically Turkey's vote Christmas. 
Um, and uh, so that's why we've not seen it. Um, and that's why uh, whilst we have made some tiny steps uh, in that direction, it's there, there is still a long way to go. And I know what you're talking about, yeah, the, uh, the eligibility rules, uh, maybe allowing players like Charles Piatow to be available for um, for his country as he's only got one or two caps with the All Blacks, for example. Um, but um, the but yeah, as as it, as it stands, um, and until uh, and we get world rugby reform, um, which again is Turkey's ready for Christmas, uh, we're, we're, unfortunately we're not going to see a big change. Uh, and with all the top unions currently bankrupt, the last thing they're going to be doing is uh, voting for anything that puts their status as being at the top of the table um, in jeopardy. Is, is there is there is there a chance? Is, is there a chance if we're, we're still on this earth 30 years from now, we'll be having the same conversation? Yes. Well, there's a very good chance. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with Paul. It's, it's Turkey's for Christmas. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's almost like you have to be a professional beggar, you know, especially with these tier two and lower nations. Uh, for example, uh, Asia Rugby, you know, they have 28 unions registered under them, but they only have two votes. So it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a lolly scramble, and if you make the lolly sweeter for these unions, they will vote in a certain way. There's no question about it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we, we probably, if, if all of us are lucky to be alive in another 30 years, chances are we will be having the very same conversation. Okay. I'm only 45. I'll be 75. Gee, give me a few more than 30. <laughs> oh, dearie me. I, I, just, I just hope somewhere along the line it, it actually does. Evolve Wait, to a sorry. point where 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 we we see maybe three or four of the top seeds get knocked out of the New Zealand. If it's gonna if it's gonna be New Zealand and the All Blacks, then then so be it. If that actually happens somewhere down the line, it means that the game is actually is actually evolving. Um, you know, if I had a if I had to ask a question to the the powers that be, that's the sort of questions. Well, well, what do you want? You know, you look at that um, that football World Cup. And you marvel at the number of teams. You know, you could arguably say just about every every pool is a pool of death in, in football when it comes to picking a, an eventual team that will go through to the final sixteen or the quarterfinals. Man, I, I, I listen. I did more ch better chance of picking my own nose than I would picking the teams the teams uh, that would go through to those particular finals. And I think somewhere along the line, that's what we want. We just want to we just want to take that predictability away. But um, Listen, um, Paul, I've done my best to sort of kill the boys' time talking about cards, <laughs> cards back big time. I was going to say, let's move go. on to this now. There's now, a strategy. <laughs> okay. Well, we're just going to have five minutes quick chat about um, concussion to follow up from last week. So um, an interesting article came out on Rugby Pass the, uh, yesterday, uh, Monday, um, which um, we was talking about to, to a doctor uh, about concussion in the women's game. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that she said is, look, the, whenever you see research that says on rugby players, what it really should say is rugby high-performance male players, right? It's not done on – it's generally not done at grassroots, and it's also generally not um, – some, some of it is done at underage level, at junior level, but again, high-performance underage level, um, uh, as in under-21s 20, or, under, uh, or so forth. Um, but there's very little to zero research on females uh, and uh, she did some research up in uh, amongst university players, looking at the difference between the men's and the women's team. At um, and uh, essentially on the men's side of the game, 
yes, uh, it's in the tackle where you see uh, lots of the concussions. In the women's side of the game, not so much. It's more so the landing rather than the tackle itself, um, and then whiplash um, around the head. Um, Boa and Stephen, if you could do me a favour, could you try and uh, put your hands round your necks? Uh, and do, do, your thumb, do your thumbs and fingers reach? So you guys both probably not, not quite. Stephen's strangling himself to make it happen. Um, so basically the difference is male necks generally don't, you don't touch. So I've got a female neck because mine do. Um, but um, the, uh, and that basically means that male necks generally have got more muscle. Uh, and and uh, one of the researchers in boxing shows that having a stronger neck reduces your concussions. Um, so hence, and you can control your body more. Um, and uh, hence that, so yeah, basically, also the fact that boys or males generally have grown up playing rugby, so they get used to how to fall, etc. whereas females quite often take it up at university. Uh, and, and female, so basically the, the advice is, if you're a rugby player, particularly a female rugby player, do neck exercises and strengthen your neck to avoid concussions. Ah, so, yeah. so, so back in the old days, if I stole a horse and they were going to hang me, I had a good chance of uh, hanging in there for a while. <laughs> Yeah, look, that's um, just just coming back to this um, concussion protocols. Um, I've actually um, had some significant progress with my safe tackle framework involving uh, World Rugby, NZR, and also um, ACC now being involved. I can't take, I can't tell, um, I can't talk too much about it. But what I am saying is, uh, Paul, you're absolutely right. All the research and most decisions uh, in and around contact and high contact, to be very specific, it seems to be actually made to uh, please high-performance coaches and high-performance players. Because on a number oh, of occasions... Male, male high-performance players, yeah. Yeah, players. Yeah, Correct. So on a num because on, on a number of occasions, I presented uh, uh, a number of cases, a number of statistics, uh, where, you know, it, it sort of debunked this theory that um, you know, especially at male high performance level, lots of coaches will, for the record, say, look, we need to make the game safer. We need to make our players safer. But the reality is, if when you go and have a look at some of the footage, the way they train, the way they play, there is an enormous amount of high contact. And, the, uh, you know, having been part of this working group, which is looking at the contact and collision area, there is significant resistance and hesitation to actually say, guys, this is the line. Let's stay below it. It's it's not going to happen. It's not going to be that easy. They just keep pushing it back, saying, um, "Look, why don't you go and uh, look at a grassroots competition, maybe under twenty ones or some amateur kids competition? Let's do some research. Let's get some data." The, the problem here is men's high performance. Uh, uh, that's first class to test level is being refereed and policed in a significantly different way in key areas such as the contact, such as the breakdown, the collision, than what you see on your weekend grassroots footy uh, in your community park. Now, this is where the problem is. So no matter what what we do in, in the amateur community game, uh, when it comes to that high performance level, everyone's a little bit knee-jerky. Stop, stop, stop trying to get into, in, into talking about cards and, and, and equal refereeing um, before, before we get on to the topic. Jeez, you're already sneaking in there. Um, so the, yeah, there you go. That, that, that's where the just, problem is. But this, 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 this is part of the, the, the conversation. So this was just bring people up to date as to some of the latest re, latest conversations happening. Um, but look, whenever you see research, remember 
the chances are it's been um, and and it, it's been done on male and high performance people and then extrapolated to the population as a whole be those not high performance and not male i.e female um so there, there's definitely needs to be some more research put into if we're going to change laws at grassroots level then we need some research at grassroots level and we also need more research into the female side of conditioning and also uh, contact um, as well because uh, at the moment it's done on males and then just extrapolated across on the whole um, which is why uh, for example cars are less safe for females and for males because again the crash test dummy is a male size um, but anyway that's just uh, I'm, I'm getting onto my uh, e e equality and feminism um, uh, soapbox here Paul just a, just a quick thing do, do we do we have to look at better better headgear or, or, or better better headwear no. for for the athletes I'm not talking about players wearing like American gridiron helmets but maybe a maybe something more attuned to what maybe boxes boxes are wearing um head headgear has been shown to uh, well, head headgear doesn't stop concussions it stops scrapes um and uh and at the, at the end of the day you can't put uh anything the, the, the problem with um concussion is the brain moving moving around inside the skull um and you can't put anything between the brain and the skull to cushion that impact um the yeah the, the gridiron helmets do not stop concussion they do mm. stop scrapes very well um but uh, by putting these sort of helmets on players feel protected when they're not um and tend to actually lead to more concussions rather than less um and uh, I, and i mean that's part of the argument in cricket is that players now now they have more protection is that they will actually get hit by balls more because they don't uh, they have less fear of being hit by the ball so they won't get out of the way um so yeah so there's it, it's no uh, headgear is, is is actually a the, the wrong way to go um in this one yeah just gentlemen and listeners just just to just to clarify that i've done quite a bit of work and research around this area there is no scientific evidence whatsoever to uh suggest or to, to, to prove that any type of headgear is going to protect against concussion. So hence, looking at my safe tackle framework, the only way we can actually mitigate the risk is to make sure that we coach and encourage players to enter into a tackle at a safe height. That is the only way we are actually going to mitigate and reduce significant harm, especially to do with concussion. Okay, folks. Right, um, the, uh, the the people have been asking for this. Um, it's what the people want, according to Aaron. So it is time for me to um, crack a beer, sit back, and listen to Boa talk about cards for a bit. Um, so Boa, we'll give you the whole screen. Um, what uh, what is it that you would like to talk about cards? Right, where can I start? You know. When we watch a game of rugby, we want to see the collisions. We want to see continuity. We want to see good rugby. We don't want to see a guy uh, dressed in a referee's kit, pretend to be Santa Claus, and give out cards left, right, and center, willy-nilly. But that's actually what's happening. Now, guys, the, the biggest issue with um, rugby in the current context, or in the modern day, is that uh, most of you would commonly refer to this as rugby is going soft. Well, one thing I can say is rugby is actually not going soft. The collisions are getting harder. The collisions are getting stronger. 
the the amount of contact is becoming more and more significant. What's actually happening is the way the game is being policed by World Rugby with their high tackle framework is very impractical, especially at um, first class rugby right up to super rugby and then obviously test rugby. Uh, now the current framework, it you know it looks really good on a presentation slide, i.e. PowerPoint or anything like that, but you have to be delusional to think that it works in a practical sense, um, you know, um, on, on the field. It, it doesn't. That's why we have yellows, reds, and all these sort of cards and penalties for the, the, the slightest of contact. If you sneeze the wrong way, you get sent off. So what we actually need to do is we need to look at some um, sense and sensibility. So one of the key um, areas um, I've been working on uh, with NZR as well as World Rugby is to look at introduce uh, an orange on-field card. Now, what this does is that um, instead of dishing out red cards for the slightest contact, which is above the shoulders, which we're seeing at the moment, um, it's, it's a 10-minute sin bin. It goes on report pretty much like rugby league. And uh, the, the offending player will front a judiciary. And if there's a further case to answer, then there'll be further suspensions or sanctions. If there's not, they're free to play. Uh, one of my biggest bugbears at the moment with these cards, especially red cards, is the inconsistency. Now, for example, in the Tri-Nations, we saw um, Ofatunga Farsi getting red carded, where the initial contact was with the ball carrier came into the tackle, the ball carrier's wrist actually made contact with Ofa's uh, chin on the left side, thereby pushing his head back. And then he follows through with his shoulder. Shoulder makes contact with the head. Now, it was a red card. Now, the same referee, the same guy, uh, fast forward uh, a couple of weeks uh, in the Argentina Pumas versus All Blacks game. We saw uh, the All Black replacement prop Lomax drive a shoulder and it looked pretty deliberate guys it looked pretty nasty straight into one of the pumas uh head chin area and that only deserved uh that was only given a yellow card now in my opinion that deserved an absolute red card because that is the sort of stuff we want to stamp out of the game but because there's all this inconsistency and confusion and mixed messages and then throw in the fact that coaches at high performance level don't want to give up the choke tackle. That's right, the choke tackle. Um, this is now starting to really cause this knee-jerky, uh, uh, you know, extreme reaction from world rugby. So uh, the problem is every time now there is big contact, which is, by the way, what people pay to come and watch. Because keep in mind, guys, there is no version of test rugby where people won't get hurt. People will get hurt. People will lose teeth. People will get knocked out. Okay, it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable because the players are becoming stronger. They're becoming faster. They're approaching the collision a lot harder and faster. So what you actually need to do is apply some common sense and start coaching uh, players to enter into the tackle zone in a safer way. And also, it needs to be refereed uh, in a pragmatic manner. Otherwise, otherwise, okay. what? Right then. We need to we need to come back on a few of these things. Right. Then. First up. Um, the game is going soft, rubbish. Okay, I totally agree with you that that is a, that that that's absolute rubbish. Um, and uh, we, we've we've and that's uh, and just to be clear here, never on the driving wall show have we agreed with that. We do believe yeah that the game is harder than it has ever been. 
Um, and at the end of the day, you're, from, from, from what you're talking about here, your problem appears to be more about consistency of refereeing rather than necessarily the punishments themselves. Um, and I think by adding an extra card in, you're just adding more complexity, which is going to lead to more inconsistency um, and lead to less less consistency between games um, for, 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 for referees. So uh, I don't think the answer is adding more laws or more punishments. Uh, and the, I think the answer is more in getting the current ones uh, enforced consistently. And Stephen, you, you, you're doing a bit of nodding and shaking and moving around here. Um, I think you've got something to say. Yeah, um, I, I, listen, I'm going to go with Boa on this one because I think that inconsistency is not just on the decisions that are happening on the field, but they're also the decisions that are happening in the judiciary as well. Like, I'll give you an example. Yeah, we, we all know that there are that there are players that are that are serial offenders and there might be somebody who who basically puts in a, a, a shot for the for the very first time, but that person who puts in the shot for the very first time will get a couple of weeks taken off his sentence. And yet it's actually the same offence that the guy who's who's basically been suspended who's uh, only only because he's done it before and, and, and that's and, and that's basically a poor technique. But it's telling me there's inconsistency with with the decisions that are being made on the paddock. That's why I'd kind of like to see it. You know, you know how I feel about this. I would, I'd just like to see see it basically go on report, unless it's that, unless it's to the to the point where it's just complete foul play. Somebody's been hit hit from behind. Go on report. Then when you then when you can sit down in the clear light of day and basically look at it and it. it it, it doesn't affect the contest at the time. If, if the infraction was so bad, it can be sorted out in the judiciary, and I think they can get more consistency in the judiciary room. And if the penalties have to be harsher in the judiciary room, then so be it. If you're sending a, a clear message, for example, uh, Sia Tomkinson, I think he might have, um, I think he might have gone to the judiciary two or three times. Uh, four times. The, yeah, four times this season. Yeah. Quite frankly. He should he should be either fined very very heavily, or he should he should probably have half a year off. Put it that way. And if you don't if you don't get the message um, by by taking it down that path, you never ever will. Because I think at the moment it, the door the door is still jimmied at the uh, at the minute, and it's inconsistent. It's it's inconsistent for spectators. This is an entertainment business at the, at the end of the day. Sure, we don't want to see guys getting, getting, getting taken in the air. But you know, sometimes when you actually see two guys do go in there, yes, you got to stop and wait. Oh, you know, it's frustrating. Should we just ban high kicks all together? We'll just do away with high kicks to stop people getting into those sort of infractions. I, yeah, I, I don't know. You no, know, there's a there's yeah, a lot of there's a lot about the game at the moment. I think we've cleaned up the 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 uh, the contest in the air a lot over these last couple of years uh, and players are a lot better. Occasionally you'll get a player playing out of position on the wing generally um, who will then go through and take a player out by it. But on the whole, um, I think it's the exception rather now than, than the rule that we get players mm. getting taken in the air. So I, I think that I think the I think that law change has worked um, in, in taking players out in the air. Um, the um, the uh, you got you got a lot of agreement in the um, uh, in, in the chat. Jordan agrees with you about the intent, um, but I think it's very difficult to tell a player's intent. Um, 
and nocturnal rights is yes. So thuggery is red, but reckless is orange. Um, yeah, because but, see, see, but, but, the oranges we already have orange available, and that's called the cycling commissioner, right? It's already there. So I don't see how what, what's between an orange card and the cycling commissioner. Look, it's, well, it's 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 manifestly unfair that someone, let's say for argument's sake, if I were to eye gouge a player, yep. and I get caught red-handed, I get the same sanction um, as someone who would put a say a, a reckless or a clumsy get, getting their timing slightly off, uh, a, a high shot. What I'm trying to say is, leave the red card for the outright foul play, absolute outright foul play. Look at better player education force high performance to actually comply with the rules which are actually being set out by world rugby get better referees this is this is one part of the problem we we you know with with our referees it's it's this merry-go-round the same bunch of guys get recycled in and out like like my curbside bin um and um you know they, they make some horrendous shocking errors for test level and they get rewarded by you know, sort of getting getting another game week after. So this is this is where the issue is. I think we need to we need to streamline all these, and 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 and, and world rugby are actually forgetting the most important party in this game. It's the spectators. It's the people. Well, hang on. There can be a couple of things here. And look, we have the best referees that are available at the moment. If we try and get some other ones, they're going to be less experienced and less good. I don't see where these better referees are coming from. No, I, I, I completely disagree. If we keep if we keep trying these same uh, same recycled bunch of guys making the same mistakes, by the way, right, right around, this, just this, move them on and get some new guys. I I, I agree. I agree with Paula. It, it, it's basically what we're. It, it, it's actually what we've actually. It's the steps that we've got in place that is actually making the referees look really foolish. Um, give you give you an example of how chalk and cheese. The deliberate knockdown is in sevens. It's a yellow card, but when a player does it, knocks a ball down, he's running off before they're running off the paddock before they get the yellow card. In fifteens, oh no no no, he was going he was going for the ball. He was trying to he was trying to intercept it. In in yellow, it, it, you know in sevens, it's the the the, 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 the they didn't even argue with the official. It's basically you're not even going for it. Even if the guy's going for an intercept, he's knocked it down. You're on your way. It's as simple, and that just shows you how inconsistent it is. But I also think with that rule, it's it's farcical to be giving a player ten minutes for a deliberate knockdown is blinking harsh, guys. I mean, so the whole deal with rugby is to try and stop the other the other the other team from scoring. And yeah, you know, a deliberate lock knockdown. You're just you're throwing a hand out. To basically try and stop a play, okay, penalise it, but don't give it a yellow card. It's a little bit like the de- the double whammy where uh, a team gets a penalty try for collapsing and one person goes off. Oh my god! It just now okay, the double whammy. Turns into a lottery. Turns into a lottery. Everyone is look players, especially at the high performance level, rather than necessarily at the, the grassroots level. When they throw the arm out, they know they've got no chance of getting that ball. It's essentially it's a professional foul. Um, it's a bit, a bit like being deliberately offside and just knocking a ball straight out of a player's hands when you're when you're on the floor of the ruck. It's a dumb penalty. You shouldn't be doing it um, at the high performance level. You know what you're doing, and that's a professional foul. Um, to be honest, uh, the and it, yeah, it's, it's because there's an overlap. It doesn't happen so often when there's no overlap, does it? It always happens when there's an overlap, which tells you that the players can not do it if they want to. 
It's a, you know it, is, it is a conscious action. I would rather, if that's the case, just give the other team three points. Just give them three points, but keep the guy on the field. That 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 I'm not not I'm not against. Yep, changing that, changing that, the rules. That, so, that, so. You know, yep. if you're giving if you're giving away if you're giving away three immediate points, I bet you that hand won't come, won't shoot it. The risk won't won't be worth it. I, I, although I do real feel really sorry for the player who's going for a, a he's a genuine intercept's gone and he's and he's thrown his hand out and he and he didn't he didn't quite get to it. And he's been given a yellow yellow card, you know. And once again, it comes back to that interpretation. And that, I think, probably that's what Boar's issue and my issue is at the end of the day. The the, the indifference of, of it all. We can, and, and and you know what? You're even getting it from the commentators. The commentators are now talking about incidents that happened in another game, but the, the official is doing something completely different. It's almost like it's almost got like how did the the way the official woke up out of bed that morning in a good mood or a bad mood. It's got that feel about it. Okay. Now, commentators. To be allowed to commentate on professional rugby on the TV, um, you should have to go and take a, a refereeing course. Know what laws <laughs> are. Because some of them are like, oh, I, I, I don't believe it's like that. It wasn't when you were playing 20 years ago, but it is now. Just get with the... Um, they were like, he's got his eyes on the ball. He shouldn't. That's that 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 should. That's 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 perfectly legal. No, it's not anymore, folks. Take a refereeing course. Learn what the actual laws are before you're allowed to referee. Um, is my sorry before you're allowed to commentate would be my um. My yeah, gentlemen. Something I need to add is, you know, the, the, the way rugby is going. One of the areas, especially world rugby, really needs to focus on that. This is something I voiced uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, with the working group. Is that you know, especially at high performance, we need to actually simplify what we're doing and actually reduce the amount or the re reduce the, the number of probabilities where referees can actually give out cards, preferably not red cards. We'd, th that's what we want to... Because what's actually happening is the way this game is being overly sanitized and diluted because of knee-jerky reactions... We're actually starting to see very harsh sanctions on what you know the rugby community see is nonsensical and unjustified um, sanctions. Now, so, I, I, I just I, I wouldn't say it's been sanitized because I, I still think it's a tough game. I think it's a hard game. I think we're seeing some some, some of the most imaginative uh, and uh, skillful players out there and plays out there that we've ever seen. So I. Th I, I um, I think there's a lot of good to talk about um, in, in rugby at the moment around the way about how skillful players are, and and the sort of strike moves that are being called uh, and being coached. So um, I'm definitely uh, whilst I agree there there, there, in, there are inconsistency issues with refereeing, and I think that the the, the laws are too complex. We should reduce the number of laws. Um, we had um, uh, Moffat uh, on uh, the channel a, a a few months ago, and he he. He reckons he can get it down to I think it's twelve laws um, in total, which um, uh, or, was, or was it less than that? But anyway, uh, it, it's a it's a it's a minuscule amount. Now, I don't think we can go as far as he's gone, but I do think that there are a whole bunch of things that can be that can be simplified because at the moment we have referees going well. Arsenal's James, why aren't you looking at um, the feed into the scrum? And he's like, well, because there's so many other things I have to look at at the scrum. Well, okay, we need to simplify the scrum then. So that they don't have too many things to look at, and they and they can actually look at the feed. 
it, or we have to just say, you know what, put the ball in however you feel like, and get because either have a law that's enforced or don't have a law at all. Having this, having a bunch of laws that are there, which which effectively aren't enforced, uh, just is 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 just just makes it is is farcical to be honest. Um, and again, comes back to those inconsistencies that we uh, that we see. Has the referee looked at that law that time? Because somebody's mentioned it in their ear, um, and hence, oh, have a quick look at that one. Because whereas um, if it's not mentioned, then yeah, yeah. And then where where the real frustration is? I mean, apart from cards and everything else, is where the refereeing inconsistencies are happening. Is now, for example, if you looked at the Pumas v uh, All Blacks first game, uh, you know that defensive effort effort was loaded. And now I went back and had a look at it. There were a number of instances where the Pumas were very very slow at rolling away. Tackler not rolling away. Uh, fast forward to the, the next couple of weeks. The very same thing they repeated. They got pinged repeatedly. And in the, in the return game against All Blacks, same thing happened. So, so rather than focus on the really complicated, obscure stuff. For example, last year, World Rugby changed the law where you can't score try where... You uh, would uh, make contact with the ball against the uh, the, the post padding. Now that 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 law has that or that loophole has been used twice in the last fifteen years in all Test rugby to score uh, a try. So instead of focusing on the really key things such as scrums, uh, such as a breakdown, what do world rugby do? They go and change a very obscure law, which which well, which hardly yeah. hard, has any uh, impact on the game. No, that okay. That that was a safety issue because players were starting to rip off the uh, uh, the protection the protection pads around around the pole, poles because they because they couldn't defend it, um, and so that, that's why they got rid of it for a safety issue. But anyway, but that's that's by the by the um, uh, and to me that's not really an important uh, that that change is irrelevant because. Uh, it's not where they're looking. I mean, the referee isn't looking at anything there. And it didn't take very long to sort out. There, there are other things that um, that where, where we need to to clean things up, so the referee has less things to look at. Um, the uh, the um, the, uh, the 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 padding on the post was um, um, was silly and unfair on the defence. Yeah, you couldn't defend the bottom of the post. Uh, hence, that's why so I say they started ripping them off. Um, the but yeah, just it's just um, but your, your point there that look in one game they weren't being penalized, but they were the following game. That's because there was a review happened behind between the referees and the and the head of referees, referee, referee coach there said, Look, guys, you've been missing this, you guys need to make sure you get it next time. And they did, so they improved. Now, so is, isn't that actually a sign of the refereeing system working in that the referees are improving? Absolutely, but that needs to be communicated to everyone. The problem here is all this gets done. It's it's done behind closed doors. Everyone keeps it very tight to their chest. And because that is not simplified and communicated to the teams, the fans, uh, you know, put it out in the media, this is where the issue is. So it's 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 a it's a simple case of actually understanding how to communicate and say, look, these these are some of the areas where we're looking at, this is what needs to happen. This is how it's going to be policed. So what do the Pumas do? They come back a second week, third week, do exactly the same thing, and then the hands up, uh, you know, hands go up. It's a it's a double uh, pot of tea, and they're like, you know, what's going on? So I I, I actually side with the Pumas there because it's 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 very frustrating. 
Um, and, and it's almost like we're seeing two different types of rugby. And the issue here, Paul, is it's it's like a heartbeat monitor. One week they get it right, next week they don't. Then the next week, yes. So it's it's a bit of a lottery. And and the reason is it's being overcomplicated, far too many processors. Um, and, and I have to say, you know, talking to some of these people, I'm not going to name names. It's very difficult to get anything through when you're talking to someone who knows everything. It's like talking to an encyclopedia. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and look, the, around, around that one, the, yeah, the, the, some people won't be told and they'll say, look, yes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, you're trying to, no, you're not really listening to me. Um, I get that. Um, yes, there can definitely be better, better communication. The problem with the communicate uh, around this is, do you expect, um, so uh, well, Bowie, I know you don't have a boss, um, but to see when you have your annual review with your boss, do you expect that to be publicly um, given out? And I guess, look, to to some degree, you can say, look, they're in a public job, therefore it should be given out. Um, and I, I do, I do see that. Um, I do see that. Yeah, but I do think, yeah, communication could be a lot better um, around this. One of the things, one of the ones we've had is one of the referees after which game was it? It was the was it the England France game, I think, where the um, or no, what, what one of the games in the final round of the um, it wasn't England France game, sorry. Um, money in wales italy but one of one of the last games in the uh um in the autumn nations cup um one of the referees got so much abuse online uh, that he had to pull out for mental health reasons from refereeing the following week that is de- that, that that that's and that kind of thing is wrong so um however the communication is done it has to be done in a way where we do consider the mental health of the of the officials as well um, we don't be throwing the officials under the bus uh, we need to keep officials in the game you're only losing them. Otherwise, we'll end up with uh, games we can't play at the weekend. Guys, um, it's, uh, guys I was going to say, it's, it's quite interesting. One of our most <clears throat> celebrated ever referees who refereed his 100th test and uh, seemingly is um, is uh, winding down his career and, and Nigel Owens is, is basically mentioned in his final shot at rugby. Three areas where the game can be, can be basically... Improved to make it more exciting, and, and, and interestingly enough, one of the areas he, he speaks about is is actually the rolling or the or, or the driving wall. And you know, this this is another real inconsistent one. I I I see all the times the number of times I've seen truck and trailers, what they call the old truck and trailers, where players getting in front of the ball carriers, um just seem to get away with it and it's that sort of interpretation from the viewer that that just shocks a lot of people you're also seeing uh uh teams you know the old the old caterpillar ruck where they're, they're basically added added numbers that listen it's it's just a smart tactics that team team are using to give the the halfback plenty of plenty of time to, to actually clear the ball but it also basically shows you that the, it almost like the coaches are dictating the way the game is being played as a way to, as opposed to the how the game should be playing. He, he also speaks of offsides as well, and you know just the, the amount of offsides that are happening at the minute. But you know, guys, when you really think about it, it's actually quite a damning thing when our most celebrated referee is talking about. How much more the, the the game could be more exciting? He also sees in this article as well. There's way more kicking, which suggests to me that teams are just not willing to to in any more to, to take the risk of of having an attacking game. So, 
I suppose oh, at, the end, at the end of the day, what have we got here? The, you know, the, the All Backs have, 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 have kicked lots for years. Um, now, why? Because you don't want to, you, you want to play in the, other, other, the opposition's um, half unless there's broken field play, at which point then you, then you can attack from anywhere. Um, and the, the idea of the kicking is to, uh, for contestable ones, is to win it back so that the opposition's defence is it's broken field play um, or, or, or to play in the other half of the pitch. So the I get what the kick, uh, yes, there is there is a lot of kicking. Um, the problem is there's a lot of bad kicking rather than good kicking, which is a blight in the game. Good kicking actually is 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 actually is, uh, can lead to exciting tries um, because it's it's creating the situation where you can attack from. Um, so it's about it's, it's a matter of how you do it. But the um, you're right. The truck and trailer thing. The other one to me is the flying wedge. Um, basically, players latching onto the ball carrier before the tackle. Now, to me, I thought that was supposed to be illegal, but apparent. But it's I've no, I've not seen that blown up, uh, and, and it's happening all the time. See, I've I've, I've there's a rule that I think I, I really think that they've that they've got to look at it. and this is the box kick where the guy who feels the kick can get basically held up but he still his team still gets the head and feed you know to my way of thinking of it a really good kick like that like that where you're actually you're holding the fullback up or you're holding the wing winger up I reckon you should be rewarded for that good kick and that might also make players <clears throat> Who compete in the air actually stop from competing in the air. Say, for example, ball is feeling the ball. I wait till he feels the ball, and I go in and I wrap him high and hold him high. And if I can stop him physically from going to the ground, that's my head and feed. I get the reward for a good high kick. But it also might make those players think about the contest in the air. What do you but think? Bo is trying to stop the high tackle and, and, the, and the choke tackle, which is what. No, 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 no. But you can still hold a you can still hold a guy up. You can still hold no, that, a guy that's up. Definitely, that's definitely oh. a, a, choke, a choke tackle is holding the guy up in the tackle, yeah. um, which is something that Bo was talking about trying to get rid of. So um, yeah. anyway, why? Why did see this? This is my thing. Why should that guy have the luxury of still having the head and head of feed if they couldn't free it up? I know you guys agree with me. Oh, oh, okay. the, the, the reason is a bit like when you drop on the ball. You've got to be. You, you basically they're saying you've got to be given given the chance to play the ball. Um, is basically what they're saying. Not not if, not if, not if you're in the air. To me, it's still like a ball, like a person who's who's. If, if if I'm running into contact and they hold me up, that's that's my own fault. I was I was carrying too high. If he's caught the ball, and the other guy has just waited till he's fell fallen and held them up. You know, to, to my, he's he's open game in my book. Stephen, all, all I have to say is thank God you and I are not referees, no part of a referee <laughs> society. We we would be ostracized <laughs> straight away. We 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 will have no chance of survival because uh, I look, guys, I'm I'm not gonna go into names, but um, over the last couple of weeks. Especially with my safe tackle framework, I'm, I'm starting to learn a lot about how um, decisions, especially around high performance, is being made. There is a lot of pushback and hesitation where we have uh, clear-cut black and white rules where safety becomes number one priority. Because you know, at high performance, coaches and coaching want to, you know, uh, bend the rules to the very absolute limit. 
you know, so so there's this it's 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 been a real learning experience for me. And you know, in, in the working group, and again, I'm not gonna go into names. I, I I clearly asked the question and said, look, you know, what about this? Presented the video evidence, and there was this long pause of silence, eerie silence, because again, it comes down to wanting to uh you know push the tether right to the extreme end so that um it's it's okay to sacrifice a little bit of the safety element so long as we can win and get the ball back that's the message um i was receiving and it, you know it's, it's the same thing with the refereeing as well you know they tend to agree with uh, uh this this bunch of high performance say oh yeah, yeah it, you know let, let's put out a rule saying you know if anyone gets hit whack just slightly above here but the reality is 70% of all contact at test level is actually chest level and above. <laughs> so that's that's where we're actually seeing all these inconsistencies. I think well, one of the problems here, here though, is that you'll, you'll, you'll have coaches going, oh, well, it's, it's a results-based um, profession. Uh, and as soon as you go down that route, you're basically saying the, um, the end justifies the means. Uh, and if I win... If I cheat and if I injure players, I don't really care. I've got to win, um, and that's basically where we're coming, where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. Look, this will carry on the way it is until what happened in the NFL. Until we have a fatality, and um, I'm, 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 I'm very concerned about this. That's that's the reason I came up with safe tackle framework. Uh, that said, World Rugby are seriously considering some changes for season 2021. Um, same with New Zealand Rugby. They're looking at uh, tackle clinics uh, and safe tackle framework clinics for the junior grades. But again, straight away, it gets tested and tried out. Uh, all, all, you know, all, all the good stuff, all the safe where, you know, mummies yep. can come and have a look. And the, say, um, wow, that's, that's all good. And look, you, you, uh, will it lead to a uh, look? You, you say we have to wait until the death like in NFL. We've had deaths in uh, rugby. And I mean deaths, plural, not singular, um, already due to um, due to concussions. Uh, and I think the what um, will be, and, and hence that's why we've seen World Rugby make these changes in an in attempt to avoid litigation. Litigation, though, is coming, uh, and we'll see quite what um, what that means um, as we uh, with um, over, over the coming weeks. Which is why, again, has brought concussion back to the forefront. Of uh, of discussions, up to two hundred and ten. That's the inside word I'm getting. Up to two hundred and ten ex test players and ex first class rugby players banding together for this class action suite. Mm. So there we go. It's increased because it started, I think, at one hundred and seven. So uh, within two weeks, it's already doubled. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of it out there. Um, and uh, I did a there, there was a fifteen point uh, concussion charter of uh, items they would like changing uh, i did a video um, about those 15 points uh, if you would like to watch that video folks uh, then uh, or, or listen to the podcast uh, become a supporter of the new zealand sports radio via patreon.com forward slash nz sport radio uh, and you can get exclusive access to that uh, video and uh, and or, and or podcast depending on how you want to, to see it um boys uh, we have uh, Unsurprisingly, run over yet again. Uh, Red card for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, orange card. Orange card for you. Yes, no, no red card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can give you a blue card. If you're taking a head knock, you must go and get some. 
Guys, I'm just I'm gonna quickly throw something. Next year, Women's Rugby World Cup, which is which is now called the Rugby World Cup 2021, is happening in New Zealand. So don't be surprised if you see safe tackle line. Given the research which has just come out uh, about uh, women's um, you know, injuries and concussions. And I guess the only way we can make it safer for female players is to actually lower. Well, no, uh, but this is the point. The, the, the women's, the, in the women's game, the problem isn't the tackle. The problem is the landing. Okay? It's when they hit the ground. Uh, and that they lose control of their head uh, in, uh, in, in that situation. So lowering the tackle height doesn't alter that. It's not the tackler... Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not like the the the, the rates of the, the rates of concussion and the causes of concussion. Sorry, rather than rates, the cause of concussion in the women's game is different to the men's game um, because of the body the body types. Uh, and so, hence, it's, again, it's a different. The the, the moves to up to reduce concussion in women's rugby is it will may require different actions to the men's um, and more around, as I say, conditioning rather than necessarily law changes for them currently. Um, because we don't, yeah, uh, especially around that, I say, the strength in the neck. Um, thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yet again, one topic we didn't talk about was Pack 4 um, which is the new women's uh, rugby, international rugby competition. Um, perhaps we'll have a chat about that next weekend um, with that reminder about some um, the Rugby World Cup 2021, which is the women's one, uh, there is going to there is potent, there is um, going to be a new um, a new one. Uh, um, dear me, sorry, someone's put something in, in the chat that's uh, funny but uh, inappropriate. Um, the um, the putting in the um, so yeah, Pack Four is a new a new rugby international rugby competition, um, which will give the um, Wallaroos and the Black Ferns regular rugby. So we'll talk about that next week so as i forgot to talk about this week um it was on the morning sports briefing um, which comes to you 7 a.m every single morning um, so uh, don't forget to like subscribe follow all of that kind of stuff thank you very much boa for joining us uh thank you very much, yep, no, no, no worries just before you go to um don't forget new zealand rugby awards happening uh this uh, thursday night a uh, couple of quick Quick predictions. Uh, Mighty Ten Cup Coach of the Year. I'm I'm reckoning, I'm picking uh, Mark Ozich to pick up that title. Mighty um, Ten Cup Rugby Player of the Year. I'm probably picking uh, Celisi Rayasi to pick up that award. Super Rugby Player of the Year. Aaron Smith. Stop! Stop! And, stop! Stop! stop and also Mighty Ten okay. Cup Women's stop, Player of the Year. Stop! 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 Thank stop, you. Stop. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, there is a list of these awards. What I might do is, if I can, if I can persuade these guys to stick around for another ten minutes, is go through and do predictions and put it out as a supporter special. So let me see if I can keep them around. Um, and folks, look out for that. It's coming out uh, um, very soon. And uh, thank you, everybody. Have a great evening. Uh, and uh, say, look out for that. Those those uh, those uh, New Zealand Rugby Awards predictions uh, coming out for supporters. Um, in uh, and say, so you become a supporter over at Patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.